Hello, folks. My name is John. I am the host of In the Garage with Track Guy. And today with me, as always, is Track Guy himself, my father, Mike J. Dad, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick rundown on Track Guy USA, our mission, and who's involved? Yeah, John, uh, it's something that we started in October of 2018. And our initial mission was to help the kids in the state of Iowa that want to be involved in track and field or cross country, but don't have the means for uh, new shoes or want to go to camp and can't afford to go to camp, et cetera. So it's been, it's been amazing with the, uh, the, the supporters we have, the people that have bought uh, our specifically designed t-shirts that we have uh, designed and printed for Track Guy that uh, since 2018, we've been fortunate to give away hundreds of pairs of shoes. We have been able to give away, or to gift rather, $500 scholarships uh, to seniors that are gonna go on uh, to, the, to college and not necessarily compete in track and field or cross country, but are gonna further their education. And the number of scholarships continues uh, to grow each and every year. We've helped kids come up with funds to attend summer camp, whether it be track and field, or cross country. So it, it's been uh, so rewarding on, on what we've been able to accomplish thus far. We've also uh, got an outstanding board of directors. We are a 501c3 and it requires us to have a, a board of directors and we have a board that supports uh, what we do, is able to offer insight. They are the folks that go through the large number of applications for our scholarship gifts and, and select those winners. So they know uh, what it is to, to put kids first and couldn't ask for a better group of folks to be on the board. You know, Dad, it is pretty cool to have such a fantastic board standing behind Track Guy's mission and the number of generous donors across the state of Iowa and the nation. However, a huge thank you needs to be sent to the locally owned shoe stores that have partnered with us to help so many lives. In Des Moines is Fitness Sports, Heartland Souls is located in Johnston and Coralville. Iowa Running Company is in Cedar Rapids. Davenport has Fleet Feet. And in Sioux City is Peak Performance. So listeners, if you're in the area, stop in for some new shoes, some clothing, or heck, even a water bottle. And without further hesitation, I'll hand the mic over to Track Guy and we'll get this show on the road. Two very special guests uh, with us this evening, former Iowa preps that will be making the trip to Tokyo and participating in the 2020 Paralympic Championships. We have a 2019 graduate of Solon High School, should be a junior at the University of Northern Iowa, 14-time state meet qualifier, four-time qualifier in the open quarter, nine-time state meet medalist, including a 4x4 gold in 2019. 11-time Drake Relays qualifier, Aaron Kirkhoff. Aaron finished second in both the 100 and the 400 at the Paralympic Track and Field Team Trials in Minneapolis in June. She's ranked in the top 10 in the world in the T13 classification in both events. Jess Himes is a 2017 graduate of Cedar Rapids Prairie High School, recent graduate of UNI. F64 is her classification. She's the world record holder in that class in the discus, having thrown 35 meters 52, 116 feet 6 inches. She's been a qualifier to the Para World Championships, where she finished fifth in the 400 and fifth in the discus. She's been to the Paralympics in Rio in 2016, finished seventh in the 400 and eighth in the discus. She was the, she's been a U.S. National High School Para Field Athlete of the Year. 
And she's also been selected for the Para Pan Am Games and the Para World Championships, both of which we lost uh, to COVID. But uh, she's off uh, uh, on a great start here in, in 2021, getting ready for the 2020 um, Olympics. And she was the discus champion at the, uh, at the trials in Minneapolis in, in June. So ladies, before we get started, let's talk about your classifications. Uh, Aaron, you're a T13. Tell us, what is, what, for those that don't know, what is a T13? Um, so there's T13 is vision loss classification. So there's T11, T12, and T13. T11 is completely blind um, and may require a guide runner. And then T12 is um, they have vision, but they don't have to require, or they do require a guide. They don't require a guide runner either. Um, and then T13 is mine, which is um, vision loss, but I have 2400 and 2300 but I don't require um, a guide runner. T13 does not require a guide runner, so. Are there times when you wish you had a guide runner? No. <laughs> no, not, not even for the 400? Nope. Lanes? Okay. I like Very doing good. it on my own. Very good. Very good. So, yeah. How about you, Jess? F64. Yeah, so the F stands for field as opposed to T for the track. And then the 60s are mostly leg amputations. So mine specifically 64 means I am missing one leg amputated below the knee. Tell us, what, what was the amputation? What, what was the reason for that? Yeah, I was born with amniotic banding syndrome. So that meant that my right leg was um, not fully formed at birth. And so over a course of a year, uh, the doctors tried to figure out whether or not they should save my leg or amputate it. And when I was a year old, they decided to amputate. And so I could wear prosthetics. Well, you know, it's um, each year at the state track meet, when we have uh, wheelchair participants, you know, and, uh, and I, I've said it from day one, and, and I believe it wholeheartedly that when we added para events at our state track meet was the best thing we ever did for high school kids. You know, um, uh, I, th I think it's just phenomenal. And we're starting to really get some good wheelchair athletes in the state. Evan Carell from Lockheed just missed making the team and, and uh, he's the real deal. He'll, 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 be, he'll be very good. I would hopefully someday we can advance to where we have uh, other events at the state meet to include other para athletes other than those that are just in the wheelchair. And as we talked about how neat it is that we have these type of events for uh, uh, our Paralympians. It's also, it makes me sad that we, that we need to, that, but it's uh, also, uh, and it's getting to be more and more at the high school level in Iowa, where we're getting the wheelers and now hopefully we'll add some other classifications that uh, kids are, are, are proud of what they can accomplish. And uh, I'm not just that little boy in the wheelchair uh, gets in the way at lunch and that type of thing that I can show you I'm athletic and uh, is, is, is tremendous for all. I'm guessing uh, your senior year at the state meet, there were very few people other than those close around Seoul and then that knew that you were at a uh, eyesight issue. Yeah, I don't think people really knew <laughs> to no, be honest, because no. I just kind of I didn't like hide it, but I think I just it didn't really ever like show. So yeah, I no. think they were just like, oh yeah, she runs track, but they never knew that I had a vision loss, which Absol I kind of liked it that way. Absolutely, you know absolutely. Let your let your speed speak for itself. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like it that way. Yeah. So you know, you this is your second go around for the Olympics. You know, you made it mm -hmm. to to Rio. Uh, with this being the second time around, is it a little bit easier? Maybe not quite as anxious as you were in 2016? Do you feel like uh, there's a little difference there or no? I feel more confident going into it because I sort of know what to expect. But obviously with this year and COVID, it seems like a whole new ballpark. <laughs> so part of me is very confident and part of me just is very nervous because I don't know how different it will be and how much difference I should expect. Sure. How about you, Aaron? Here you are. You're not on the Blue Oval anymore. You're not running solo in high school. You're going to Tokyo, of all places, to uh, the Paralympics. Did, is this something that came on to you 
late this year? You know, I know Coach Paulson talked to you about it and can convince you to try it. Is this something you'd thought about you might want to try in the future, or is this all brand new? Yeah, I mean, I've known about it since high school. I just didn't really know what it was, so I just kind of wanted to focus on my college career first and, you know, at UNI. And I think the UNI experience has really helped me with maybe, like, the anxiety and the pressure of going into the Paralympics, but... Coach Paulson talked to me at the end of the school or at the end of the season for the track season, and I just kind of convinced me and really like showed me that I do want to try this and give it a try, and then I made it. So now it's just kind of surreal that we're about to leave here soon. Uh, yeah, I would like to ask the question for myself, but for those listeners that aren't familiar either, um, you're both you and I Panthers. <clears throat> Is there something special at UNI that caters to the Paralympians, or is it just by choice you both ended up there and ended up in the Paralympic Games? I think it happened to be mostly random, but I think it was the environment that kind of pulled both of us. I know for me, when I was uh, talking to different universities and colleges about competing in track, not all of them were as open and welcome to having an adaptive athlete, but the environment and the home community that the team there has mm -hmm. It was so welcoming for me, and they really made me feel like I could be a part of the team, not just a trophy para-athlete or someone they push to the side because they don't want to learn how to adapt. And I don't know about Aaron, but for me, that was a huge part of why I wanted to go, and I think that kind of happened to pull both of us there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. It's just a very family-like atmosphere. I mean, I was definitely deciding between you and I and NDSU, and they're both amazing programs, but you and I was close to home, and it just felt like home, and so it just pulled me in, and then I met Jess there and was, like, talking about the Paralympics with her and Coach Paulson, and then it just made me realize I really wanted to give it a try. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you nervous that you may end up on a billboard along the interstate? <laughs> I hope it's a good picture if I do. <laughs> I know driving to and from work, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw Jess on the billboard quite a few times. I thought it was pretty neat. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that could always be a goal, you know? Is, you know what'd you accomplish this year? Well, I made a billboard. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not too many people can say that. For the right things. Too. For the right, exactly. exactly. For the right things, for sure. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about your support from the folks at UNI, and Dave Paulson and Alex Wilson are both uh, former Iowa preps. So, um, you know, the little extra love they can give uh, fellow Iowans like yourselves. And uh, I, I just think that, uh, like John said, it's, it's so special that, uh, uh, that a coach would come to you and say, hey, I think this is something you need to be involved in. You know, usually it's the other way around. Hey, coach, I want to try this. Can you help me type thing? But for, mm -hmm. for those coaches to come up and say, hey, girls, I, this is something that, uh, that you guys might be interested in. And, and, and yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's good PR for you and I. You know, for sure. But that isn't what drives them to do that. I know that. I know them both very well. I know the kind of people they are. And, and it, it all comes from the heart. So uh, uh, how special that is. Well, I want to talk about a, a man that's a very, very good friend of mine and, and just leaving you and I and heading to Iowa State. And it's Dan O'Mara. And I know he's played a big role in your life in the last uh, four years. And tell me a little bit about what Dan O'Mara means to you. And, and uh, here's a guy, one of the best Division One throws coaches in America. And... and, and uh, just like I talked about earlier, where people do things from their heart, and he, and he takes a, a Paralympic athlete under his wing and, and, and makes her a record holder or helps make her a record holder. Tell me a little bit about Dan O'Brien, what he means, Dan O'Mara, rather, what he means to you. He is the absolute best. We all love him. I think sometimes we forget that we're not all related to him. Oh my God. Uh, for like athletes to coach, he's like our little track dad. He has done so much for the program 
for other athletes and then for me specifically, uh, I mean, when I first started looking at universities, I didn't know how many coaches running or throwing would want to work with me or would be able to understand that I function just differently. I can't do all of the same drills. I can't do them all the same way as the able-bodied athletes. And he right off the bat was totally into trying whatever I needed to do. He didn't, he never had that awkward period of, oh, I don't know if I want to work with you. This seems like a challenge. This seems, you know, something I'm uncomfortable with. He immediately thought, this is interesting. I've never done this before. I want to try this. Like he saw this as this new opportunity that just opened way wide in front of him, which was so cool to see. I never had, there's never like a never pity in his eyes. There was just this joy and excitement. And it, he said that he loved having a new challenge after so many years of training able-bodied athletes. He's like, it's due time for me to try something new. Yeah. So he's been amazing for the program and for all of us as individual athletes. I I love him with all my heart and we're so happy to we're sad to see him go, but we're so happy to see what he'll do at Iowa State. Yeah, he's, he's a good man. Yes. And uh, I talked to him the other day. He was a little nervous going back because now he and his wife will be living under the same roof again. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's afraid he might have developed too many bad habits. She might, she might give him the boot. But, uh, but he's, he's, a, he's a great person. And uh, just for what he did for you is enough for me. You know, I don't need any, you don't need any other accolades or, uh, or anything else. So. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, you could have gone anywhere and they may have said, yeah, you know, I don't think this is really what we want. And uh, so lucky for all of us, it, it worked out that way. And, and same way with you, Dave Paulson and Alex Wilson. Mm -hmm. You know, it could have been, well, you know, it's too much of a challenge to have uh, all we want is able-bodied athletes so we can work, everybody work out together and send them to do this together and that type of thing. So uh, we're very, very blessed in this state to have wonderful uh, collegiate coaches with big hearts and take care of our kids like that. It's, 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 it's pretty awesome. Absolutely. I want to go back to when you were in high, just started high school and started getting involved in, in things, you know, and, and, uh, did you ever look at, uh, and I hate the, I hate the term disability, but did I you ever, <laughs> did you ever see that or look at that as, as something that was going to hold you back? Or did you look at that as a challenge early on? I think my family did a really good job of balancing the fact that I have a disability and that it physically will cause me to have differences in my life and making sure that I know that it doesn't have to hold me back to things I genuinely want to do. So like they, they put me in all the same sports that my sisters would put in and they were both, they are both able-bodied. So that helped me sort of mentally place myself as equal to any able-bodied person or able-bodied athlete. So going into middle school and high school sports, I had a huge community of my friends who knew me from a young age and knew that I held myself in a respectable position, that I am worthy of being on a track, in a ring, on a field. Um, and so they reflected that and they gave me that same respect back. And there obviously are challenges that come with it. And there are people who disagree with having a disabled athlete or adaptive athlete on any field of play, but I had a good Iowa community around me that respected me and knew that I was doing what I love to do. And I think that that pushed me through all of the garbage that I had to deal with through the years. Good. Correct answer. Good job. <laughs> Aaron, how about you? Have you always um, had trouble with vision from birth? Or is yep. something? Okay. I was just born with it. Okay. I think it was like a gene mutation. Like one thing just didn't line up. Okay. So I don't know how that happens, but yeah, yeah. it was from birth. But like you said, I just like never use the word disability. I don't like that word. I just, I feel like that for some reason holds me back and it never has hold, held me back. So yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, and, and, and we talk about, um, 
Paulson and, and Wilson and the other coaches at, at, at UNI and what they did for you and, and Dan O'Mara and, and Solon the same way. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure Brent Sands and his staff. Well, we just got a girl that can't see as well as the others. But you ought to see her where she gets her spikes on. You know, you don't really care if you, you can see yeah. her. Yeah, he's been a huge help because sure. Coach Paulson's actually been sending me workouts, and then Coach Sands has been working with me back here since it's hard for me to travel back and forth through Cedar Falls just because I because of my vision loss I can't drive. Sure. So he's been Coach Sands has been great. He's been helping me every day back here just voluntarily. Well, that's. Uh... That's what makes our sport special, not what makes our state special, you know. And I'm sure there's other states and other sports can say that as well. And I hope there are. There needs to be if there isn't. But uh, coaches in the state of Iowa uh, are, are pretty special. Now we'd like to pause and give a big shout out to our graphic designer, Kennedy King, and the kind folks at Podium Inc. and Mount Air who screen print our T-shirts. Thank you all so much for everything that you've done for Track Guy, and we look forward to our growing relationship in the future. Now back to the show. You know, and I've, and you guys have, you were just mentioning where you watched some of the Olympics so far on TV, and and it's so different not having a crowd. Uh, it's even different to watch it on TV when there's not a crowd there. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, you've got to think that that that's going to be really maybe not affect you in a detrimental way, but it's gonna affect you some way, you know, knowing that, uh, boy, this is, we're on the big stage and we don't have anybody here watching us. And uh, so hopefully this will be the last go around for that. Let's talk, uh, John and I were talking a little bit today about uh, uh, the Olympians that are Tokyo right now and gonna wrap things up here. Uh, uh, Carissa Schweitz are running the, the 10,000 uh, tomorrow, which will be Saturday. And, uh, haven't heard a lot of complaints uh, from the athletes or even from the people that are there. I, I follow a couple of blogs from uh, people that in the media and what they do each and every day. And, and uh, everybody just talks about it being different. Um, but everybody is so appreciative of the fact that they can be there, you know, and um, do you kind of feel that is that the same sense of feeling that uh, that the Paralympians uh, that I'm sure you hope they're going to have when you get there that will have that, hey, uh, we're, this is this is a this is a great opportunity, and we're going to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think especially after everyone losing last year, I think just to be back at a track and not any track, but much less to be at Tokyo specifically, being back in any stadium, I think everyone's much more grateful and has a huge sense of gratitude this year. So I think all of us will share the same sort of just happiness of actually being at a stadium, competing with everyone again. Sure. Sure. And there's a, there's a lot of Olympic records and world records that are falling. Seems to be a pretty fast track and a, and a pretty good field. So uh, you guys hopeful that some magic may be made? <laughs> I got Hope my so. eye on a few, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. I guess the only complaint that I saw from the summer games is the food. But I know uh, Raven Saunders, who won the silver medal in the shot put, she gave their food a 7 out of 10. <laughs> It's always weird going to like a different country and eating their food, especially at a games. They have to feed so many people. So we kind of learned that you're not going to go to a five star hotel and order steak. Um, (laughs) So I kind of be grateful for what they have. Grateful the fact that they can feed everyone at once. So kind of get used to chicken and rice every day is what I usually have. (laughs) I guess I'm thankful that I didn't qualify because I would eat my weight in sushi while I was over there. Well, one of the guys from the media I follow, he's been, this is his 14th Olympics he's been to. And every morning when he posts, he has potato salad for breakfast with his breakfast every morning. His wife says, why do you have, he's just the best food they got here. The best potato salad ever. So check out the potato salad while you're there. Might be something you want want to try. So what what do you know about uh, 
rooming? What do you know about where you're going to stay, who you're going to room with? Uh, any of that? Already, you already have that information? Do you get it when you get there? Um, most of it we have. So I'm going out 10 days earlier before Aaron. So I'll be at Yokota Air, Air Force Base. And so we have that all set up. And then Village isn't fully set yet, but we are supposed to room together. Okay. So we will see in 10 days if yes. that still holds true. But I hope so. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Once we yeah. get to Village, roomies. we should be together. Sure, sure. Take uh, some panther garb and wear, you know, mm -hmm. out there. And, you know, mm -hmm. That's the plan. <laughs> let them know where you're from. I think cool. there's two other people that we room with too, right? Yeah. Like apartment five. Yeah. Apartment, apartment. four. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. So. so are they the cardboard beds? Yes. Yep. <laughs> All the cardboard beds. The famous ones. Yeah. <laughs> I'd know. like to see Ryan Krauser on one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it breaks. They, yeah. they, they claim they're pretty strong, but I don't know. Yeah. They yeah. look strong, but I haven't seen any videos of him on that, so. Yeah. Jury's out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ryan, they may just say you can sleep wherever you want to sleep, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one point to the Olympic Games and kind of the preparation. Uh, Jess, when you were in Rio, the time change was? I think it was like two hours difference so from Iowa. So much different. Mm -hmm. and, and now you're going to be traveling halfway across the world to compete. What's going through your head now to be able to prepare yourself to, I mean, accommodate such a large time change and be able to perform at your elite level. Yeah, I'm trying to map out the times for flights to figure out if I need to try sleep on the way there, which I can't do. I cannot sleep on planes, but <laughs> thankfully I'll have a good two weeks before I compete that I can take a few days to kind of adjust my sleeping schedule and be a little cranky before I get back into training. Are you going to have much time uh, nearby before you have to compete, Aaron? Uh, I get in... August 21st, so I'll have about 10 days before Not I compete. Bad. Yeah. So I'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> now, they talk to you about quarantining when you get there before you can go out and about much? Yeah, so we take two tests before we fly out, which I did my first one today. And then once you get there at the airport, we'll take another test. And then if you test positive, we'll quarantine with the Japanese government. If not, you'll stay at the airport for a certain amount of time and then go to the Air Force Base and then retest there. And then once we're there, we'll test every single day. So they have a bunch of protocol if you test positive or get symptomatic to go quarantine in your own corner of the village, which you're hoping not to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh and there have been a few that have had to do that. It's, mm -hmm. it's got to be uh, bad enough to be halfway across the world by yourself and then also stuck in a room by yourself yeah. for, for two weeks, you know, and hopefully yeah. they slide some food to you under the bed <laughs> uh, or something like that. Let's talk a little bit, if, if you don't mind, about training people. Who are you going to train with? You know, when you go over there, have you, have you been around the people in your classification from this part of the country like you ran with at Minneapolis more than just that meet so I mean when it comes time to uh, go to the track and, and get a workout in uh, do you have a, uh, a classification coach that will gather you girls up and, and boys and, and, and get you to the track to work out together do you have any idea how that works um, I met like um, two of the girls that are in T13, Kim Crosby and Taylor Tal Talbot, uh -huh. um, down at the Desert Challenge. And then I saw them again um, from Minneapolis. So I've seen them at two different occasions. So I kind of just met them. Um, but I would assume that we'll all practice together and go over with Coach Cruz yeah. to the track. Yeah. Make sure you get your picture taken with him. He's the big deal. Yeah, he is. He, he's, he's the man. He's the man. Uh, one of my saddest Olympics was in 96. He stepped up to the 1500. He didn't, he missed two Olympic games, went to the 1500 and qualified, but was injured. And, and, uh, you know, he just wanted to, he knew he wasn't fast enough for the eight anymore, but for the 15, he qualified, but then was injured and, and didn't make the final, but, uh, it's a good man. Mm -hmm. So what about you, Jess? Will it be, uh, 
all field event people going at the same time to, to work out? Would you guess? Is, is that what you did at Rio? Or, you know, maybe you have a little more flexibility, not have to worry about people getting in the way and that type of thing of, of, of flying objects? Yeah, I'll probably train with the other discus throwers. Uh, for us, we only have two female throwers going, and the other one is a seated athlete. So she trains and competes in a different area than I do. Um, so I will train with the other ambulatory discus throwers, which are all men, um, which will be perfectly fine. I know them, and I competed with them um, back in Rio. So I'll be with them and Larry Judge, who will be the ambulatory field coach. Let's look ahead to your events, okay? So, uh, Jess, do you know what days you, you throw on? Uh, yeah, I'll okay. compete the morning of the 29th, Japan time, but the evening of the 28th, Iowa time. Okay, okay. How about you, Aaron? Do you know your schedule yet? I'm going to do the 100 prelims and finals if I make it um, on August 31st, and then September 2nd is the 400-meter prelims, and then September 4th is the 400-meter final, and then I'll stay for the closing ceremony on September 6th. You're gonna you're gonna stay for the closing ceremonies in Tokyo. I am, yeah. Are you, Jess? You're coming home before the. I'm coming home on the first. Okay. Will you be there for the opening ceremony? I will. Yeah. Neat. Was it going to be much of an opening ceremony? Do you know yet? Um, as far as I'm aware from the Olympics, I believe it's somewhat the same from okay. usual, but obviously no spectators, and we kind of spread out a little further. But I haven't heard any <laughs> new information about it. Because I think for the Olympics, they you couldn't be there five days prior to your event or something like that. You couldn't come in just for the mm -hmm. just for the opening ceremonies if you didn't compete for another ten days type thing. So and I, and I get it. Clayton Murphy wasn't very happy about that. Uh, that he's. Here he was stuck in Akron, Ohio, and, and uh, his buddies were over there in the opening ceremonies, but he was going to be there way before he needed to be. So they didn't they didn't want that. Yeah, I think with some of the para-athletes, too, we take a little longer to acclimate to weather, and a lot of our wheelchair athletes, like, they can't sweat, and they have to deal with issues with getting used to competing in that sort of humidity and heat. So I think for us, we get a bit more of a grace period with mm -hmm. coming early sure. to acclimate because of that. Sure, sure. I never would have thought about that. I, I catch the events when I can, but I, I haven't watched a whole lot. In your uh, classifications, are you then just competing against those that are the same classifications, or to I, I could just see it being so broad to fill to, to fill lanes? Yeah, to have so many athletes that are competing. Yeah, it so it kind of depends on the event. For me specifically, I compete with um, 44s and 64s, which is, for me, 64s are the amputees, and then 44s are people with minor leg impairments where they have some sort of foot muscular neurological issue that make them somewhat comparable to a lower leg amputee. So for me, they're combined together. Um, some events, they have them separate. Some, they combine three different classifications. It depends on the group and the numbers mm -hmm. available in each classification. Yeah. Yeah. So... But I would guess, Aaron, and you may or may not know, but in your races, I'm guessing you're going to be, even though it could be multiple classifications, probably all with people that have uh, some kind of a uh, eyesight deficiency. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I only run against T13s, yeah. my okay. exact vision loss, you know, yeah. in my spectrum. And right, right. So, yeah. Okay. You know, watching the games that are currently taking place, you're seeing athletes that are wearing ice vests and doing everything to beat the heat. <laughs> I'm just curious, is that a little bit intimidating for you or coming from Iowa where it's humid as all get out? Are you, uh, you comfortable with it? I think with the, uh, us both training in Iowa, I feel like we're kind of used to high heat, high humidity. <laughs> yeah. But I'm definitely going to make use of the ice pops and the ice vests over there. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. still get very hot. <laughs> 
I think the ice vests look really cool. <laughs> I kind of just want to try one on, but yeah. I don't know. Go, competing in the desert challenge down in Arizona, I know they don't have humidity, but that was pretty hot. So I yeah. think if we can do that, we should be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember watching the, the multis and you, like the athletes would just keep moving along the Olympic Stadium, fine in the shade, and they just keep moving, moving. Yeah. So I feel, feel sorry for all of you that are, are doing that. <laughs> But it's got to be a great experience. Well, that's why you say, take it, make it be your advantage. Hey, yeah. we're from Iowa. We're a little tougher than that. Scoot over, you know. We're... <laughs> All you guys that can't handle it, move to the back. Chris and Schweitzer said they went to Hawaii to get acclimated to the humidity. Mm. You should have done that. Yeah. Well, you, you should have just stayed home. Why didn't you stay in Iowa? You would have been fully acclimated. You know? But uh, uh, the water's a little clearer down there. What about goals uh, going in, in, into the meet? You know, a, a big goal, obviously, was to perform well in Minneapolis and, and make the team, uh, and both of you did, and, and, and come out uh, ranked very high in the world in your specialties. But what about individual goals once you get there? What is something, uh, Jess, that you want to accomplish outside of a medal? What is something that you want to accomplish? Um, in terms of the competition, I this summer have been uh, really creeping up my PR and passing it a few times, and so I'm hoping to reset a new American record, which would be a personal PR for me. Um, I've had a lot of good sessions lately, and I hope to keep that up and maybe get that record again. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that record. Is that record good enough to get you on the, on the stand? It's very, very close. Yeah, I'm kind of right in a contending spot, so we will see. <laughs> so for every person that gets the their goal there's probably two or three that don't so you get your goal you put yourself in good shape that's hope how about you Aaron I just want to run a PR and run faster than I've ran and maybe hopefully get a medal get on the podium <laughs> what about uh in the and we never talked is there a four by four or a four by one there's um how do you want to call it a it's mix, a mixed, mixed race, okay. yeah. but neither of us are on it okay. um but it's like doesn't it go to like runner wheelchair yeah it's um two male two female and then it mixes with arm amputees like amputees cp gotcha. visually impaired wheelchair so gotcha. it's a super mixed relay <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely everything absolutely <laughs> do you have any idea how many countries are going to be represented in the, in the paralympics Oh, I do not. I used to know the numbers, what it was in Rio, and I haven't even paid attention this year. I know I had the opportunity to, to announce the, uh, I was the American announcer for the Pan Am Games and the Parapan Games in 2015. And, uh, boy, there were so many countries. It was crazy. And uh, and I've told people that the Parapan Games was one of the most moving five days of my life to watch that unfold. You know, other, watching the para, para, the Pan Am Games was awesome, but the Parapan Games were Wow. You know, yeah, there's something different. And especially in South America, there's a huge like para movement and tons of support for that. So when I was in Lima for the Parapan Games, that was so cool to see everyone from their home country so close to home and competing. Yeah, they have a such a cool environment that's very unique to South America. Well, one thing I think is, is, is special is, is people that get involved from the outside that aren't necessarily a, a, an athlete, a, a para-athlete that wants to do it for, for the love of the sport and the love for the athletes that are in it. Uh, Joaquin Cruz is a, uh, a great coach, one of five men to ever break 142 in the 800 Olympic champion, and he is a Paralympic coach. Here he was, I'll never forget, he was in Toronto at the Parapan Games, and he is tethered to a woman who was running the 1500, and her goal was to break seven minutes in the 1500. And here's a guy that's been a sub four minute minor and run under 142 in the 800, but can do that. It takes a special person 
to, mm. to, to be able to do that. And from that point on, it was like, this, this, this is good stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And um, it isn't just that they've, uh, years ago, there was a lot of the speculation and hubbub about the Parapan games were thought up for people just so they didn't complain about not having an event like the able-bodied athletes did at the Olympics. Well, that's BS, obviously, and uh, and I'm so glad that it is. And people like Joaquin Cruz getting involved um, goes to show you that that is BS. And having the the uh, Paralympics at the same venue as the Olympic Games, uh, which is exactly the way it ought to be mm -hmm. and the way it is, and, and and I'm very proud that that's the way it is. Um, we touched on it a little bit, and you said no spectators at the opening ceremonies. But how about spectators at your events? Is it a bummer that your parents are not going to be there, or you got maybe this is a nice vacation to get away from? <laughs> I won't say that with them sitting behind me, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's obviously sad not having them there. It is wonderful that there's a huge boost in broadcast for the Paralympic Games this year, and now our families can actually watch us in live time, um, and that's amazing. That's something we had a little bit of back in Rio, but in this past five years it's grown tremendously so that much is nice we can kind of feel like we're kind of with them and they can feel like they're at the stadium even though obviously they can't be mm -hmm. how about you Aaron it's your first time a long way from home to compete going yeah. to a foreign country of all things <laughs> without any family members is uh, make you a little anxious you're ready to go I mean you're, yeah. you're a big girl now you can, you can <laughs> do stuff like that but still it's a, a biggest stage at least equal to the biggest stage you'll ever compete on and, uh, yeah. and you're going over there by yourself i mean yeah i'm i'm nervous about that it, it does have give me a little peace of mind that i'll be with other um athletes that have a vision loss so that people do understand sure. <laughs> and people don't just forget since i don't really look like probably i have a vision loss so i'm kind of happy that i have the support there from that but i'm a little nervous not having anyone but we didn't have a crowd or any spectators for like the uni meets this year so i mean and i know the uni meets probably won't be <laughs> the same as the tokyo stage but I'm kind of used to not having spectators, sadly. <laughs> well, if, if all the meets have no spectators, the, the meets are pretty much the same. You know, mm -hmm. you get the same sound level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about USA swag? Do you get any swag? To, 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 have you oh, got yeah. it all yet? Or do you uh, wait till you get there? <laughs> we Can got about a third of it already. Then the rest of it will come in Tokyo. We had a meeting last night and they showed us <laughs> pictures of all of it and it looks pretty cool. So what are you gonna, what are you gonna get? Do you get new shoes? Do you get new throw shoes? Or do you get? I will use my uh, throw shoes. Usually our competition stuff we keep, but we'll have the Nike and the polo and the something, all the Kim Kardashian clothes we'll get over there. Oh, so yeah. a lot of the village wear. Ladies, uh, he's only asking because he absolutely loves swag that he gets <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he's deep down very jealous that you have a suitcase waiting for you in Tokyo. No. no but no. if they would happen to throw a double X in there that you don't know. We'll let you know. We'll send it your way. No. 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 And, and I heard you talking before we went uh, on the recording about, you know, packing for the game. It's, it, <laughs> So they have a suitcase waiting for you over there? Yes, filled to the brim. <laughs> and you're able to take, obviously, normal travel-sized bags there. Is that going to be enough? <laughs> they do have laundry services, so if you go through three outfits a day, you can rewash them. But they have enough that you probably don't have to. <laughs> three outfits a day, I, <laughs> I was thinking for a week. week. For yeah, <laughs> the entire time or so. Okay. You know, and you mentioned about what is available now. Um, through streaming and that type of thing. And a lot of that is brought on by COVID for most of it. I hope that's something that doesn't change. You know, I mean, uh, 
just for the regular Olympics. I mean, you could watch every single attempt in the field events and everything. And if you wanted to get up at three in the morning, which some mornings I was already up and, and, and we did that. But but anyway, it's uh, uh, hopefully those, those things are here to stay because uh, especially our Paralympic athletes don't get enough airtime. You know, and it's usually af well after the fact uh, that they make the paper or on the news that they did this or that, and and uh, so so hopefully that's something that that will continue, and maybe that's something you two can can and work on in, in the future to to make sure that that happens. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep fighting for all that airtime for us. All all the para athletes definitely deserve that, and I I'm grateful we have what we have this year, and I want to keep pushing for that too. Continue Absolutely. to increase. Absolutely. So. What what's the future hold for you after Tokyo? We will see. Honestly, this entire year, my for a while, my future plans kind of stopped at trials. And once I made the team, now my future time kind of stops after the games. So um, after I come back in a month, I will get married. So that's my next big <laughs> thing. Would, and then <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't forget to say yes, something. Yes, of about course. <laughs> Yeah, and then. Well, I wasn't. Your fiance was probably hoping more than I was hoping. Yeah, he's gonna be listening. Like, is she gonna talk about me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm super pumped about that. And after that, I'm gonna need a good breather to relax and to kind of take in this entire last year, um, last two years, really, and kind of reflect on my life. And then I want to continue with uh, professional athletics. And I feel so passionate about the para games and about track specifically. And I want to find my niche in the community to see how I can help propel it. And, and, and that may very well not be as an athlete. It's, exactly. It, yeah. it, it, good. Good. We all need good spokespeople, you know, and, and, uh, uh, to help drive things forward. But if you saw where Raven Saunders in the award ceremony crossed her arms and immediately people went off on that. She never had an a chance to say why, what that stood for. And it was mm -hmm. for everybody that is, uh, is suffering something in their life, whether uh, it's political or not political or whatever, it, it's all encompassing. And, and luckily they gave her a chance to explain that. And uh, so uh, I think there's, there's a big need uh, for that type of spokesperson for the for our Paralympians, and I think you'd be perfect once you're done competing. I'm not trying to push you out of the ring. That's for sure. How about you, Aaron? Are you going to go back to you and I next year, and uh, just as if you'd never left, being on the track team, and 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 do you still see some uh, some para activity for you as well in the off in the off season? Yeah, I'm just kind of taking it day by day, but. Um, yeah, my, my plan is just to come back from Tokyo, you know, um, go to UNI, stay on the track team. And then I definitely want to keep doing Paralympics and keep competing for them because I just, I love this atmosphere. I've never been in anything like it. And I just, I love that I'm finally like in a place where I feel supported and never judged, but people like understand. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. Yeah. And, and, every, and, and there's so many different classifications. It, yeah. it just, it's really but cool to it's see. one big happy family. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's so awesome, you know. And, and uh, uh, so you will you maybe have to write a paper when you get back what I did on my summer vacation. You know? <laughs> yeah, this has been the Where craziest summer start? of my life. Well, I went to Tokyo, you know, <laughs> most people, I was a lifeguard at the, at the country club and mowed yards and baled hay, and you go to Tokyo. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, would have never thought this at the beginning of the summer. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did, so when did you make the decision that you're going to give it a try and? Um, it was 
right after your conference, Coach Paulson was just talking to me about it, and we had like a we had a pretty good like forty five minute deep talk, <laughs> and then I just went down to the Desert Challenge. I was just kind of trying it out and seeing what I felt, and I instantly like just fell in love with it and the environment. So then I went down to San Diego after that to Chula Vista to do a meet down there and um, get to know Coach Cruz a little bit more, and then I went out to Minneapolis and now, were the rest those two of history. Meets strictly for para athletes. Um, the Desert Challenge was, and then the one in San Diego was Olympic and Paralympic. Gotcha. So gotcha. it was both. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. And you'll forever be a Paralympian. Yes. And a two-time Paralympian. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe more. And if you're ever somewhere and you're being introduced and somebody says you're a former Olympian, stop. No, no, no. I'm not a former. Thank you very much. I'm not. And some people do that. And it's one of my pet peeves. They're not a former Olympian. They're not a former All-American. You can't take that away from them. Mm -hmm. So don't ever let somebody try to take that away from you, even if they don't mean it. Okay? Will do. Straighten them out <laughs> like right that. away. You're going to be around some great people and great people in our sport and just great people in general that have a true love for what they do. And you talk about people with passion, the people that uh, uh, are involved in, uh, in meets like the Olympics and the World Championships, and uh, they obviously aren't in it for the money. And uh, they're in it for the love of the sport and, and love for the athlete. And I think that that runs much, much deeper uh, for our Paralympians and, and, and those that support them as well. So uh, with that said, thank you, too, for being here. Uh, it's been a it's been a, a great evening to, to visit and hopefully educate uh, the people that are listening to our podcast about uh, uh, what it's about going over to the, the Paralympics in, in Tokyo. Do you have anything that you would want to add uh, about something you're really, really excited about or maybe, you know, that type of thing as you head over there? just ready, ready to do your thing i'm just ready to do my thing aaron yeah <laughs> we both made the national team yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So <that's> exciting. <laughs> absolutely absolutely well I, I just uh i'm excited and i'm really hoping that we can get the opportunity to uh watch live what uh, you ladies are accomplishing over there and not have to wait to get it all secondhand i'm not a good secondhand guy i want to know what it happens when it happens so uh Hopefully that'll be the case that we can do that. So best of luck to you. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> and go over there and support your family in the state of Iowa the very best you can.